and happy new year to you all. This is our first podcast of 2022 and uh, we're really looking forward to it. We have a few changes uh, here at the Completed Machinima podcast. We're going to be uh, trying to include a few more practical uh, specials. We did one, Phil and I did one last year on um, putting together a computer. Uh, this year we might do something on sound. I hope to do one with writing, uh, with a professional writer, uh, as a guest. We'll nice. be adding video to our, uh, podcast this year. Um, of course we'll be doing our regular audio podcast, but we're, uh, we started a YouTube channel, um, which will include the video for each of ours. So as you can see, we've all really gone out of our way to look as, as nicely as possible. Tracy, you, you've certainly done it well. Thank you very you've, much. You've I got put that. on pants. I know. I really, <laughs> so did really I. happy Lipstick. with that. It's not it, a filter. Yeah. And then, uh, Damien, you've got that uh, Jim Morrison look from the doors down really well. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to try it as an experiment and see what happens. We're also doing a couple of other things. We're going to be uh, combining news with our discussion, um, meaning that a, if a news story triggers uh, some interesting uh, uh, ideas about Machinima, we'll launch into that. It's an experiment, so we'll see how it goes. So with that out of the way and with a happy new year to you all, I hope you have a great new year. I'd like to introduce our uh, our regulars. Phil Rice, uh, who is uh, one of the most interesting machinima filmmakers ever. Um, and really happy you're back with us this year. Thank you. Good to be here. Sure thing. And Damien Valentine, another great machinima filmmaker and promoter of machinima. He's been around forever. Hi, Damien. Hi, and thank you so much. And Tracy Harwood, our resident uh, Cerebus, the brain of the organization with legs. So we're really happy to, Tracy has written some really interesting books, including one on um, Machinima recently, uh, or actually last year, Machinima History. Welcome, and uh, we're glad you're back. Thank not, you very much for inviting me Not to be confused again. with, yeah, not to be confused with Cerberus. Cerberus. <laughs> the dog that guards the gates with of hell. With how many heads. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't don't get those confused. Thanks. Another reason why Phil's Cerebus. on the show to, to rain right. in my... Rain in my uh, I catch all the anachronisms and such. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Speaking you of Harry 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 this. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hit in on the news. Now, Damien, you've got some interesting stuff about NVIDIA's next AI can turn words into photorealistic images. What? Yeah, um, it's a new piece of software. It's only in beta at the moment. And I was trying it earlier, and I couldn't quite figure out how to do the words part of it. Because it's kind of very vague on how to use it, but um, it's called. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> it's like introducing your wife and my wife. Um, uh, who are you? Canvas. That's what it's called. I just got Canvas. found it. When it's... Canvas. There you go. Yes, there we go. We'll uh, edit that bit out. <laughs> Okay. Um, so now, how does it not. work? What do you what do you what do you do? Right. So, I tried it out earlier, and you kind of have this two squares. One's got the resulting image, and then this other square, which is where you draw in. You could put different layers in. So you, I couldn't figure out the words part of it, but there's this way where you can choose the type of 
um, I'm not going to say object, but the type of thing you want to paint on the picture. So you could put mountain or rock or river or cloud, and there's a whole load of things like that. And you just draw on the, the on the, the um, left square, and you just get a sort of a, a blob appear. And then on the right side, it will create an image of what that should actually look like. So I did, um, I just did the mountain for the first time. You kind of get the shadowy mountain in the, in the um, background. And I thought, well, that looks, reminds me of the lonely mountain from The Hobbit. So I, mm. thought, I chose the tree um, forest option. So I put little trees around it. And then suddenly this forest appeared all around the mountain. And then I put, uh, used the fog one. So it makes it all look really misty. And yeah. it looked like a picture that would, you could spend hours painting. And it did it in seconds. Um, wow. How yeah. detailed do you have to be, or can you just do a crude mountain and it'll interpret that? If you just basically draw a very crude triangle, you'll get a perfect mountain. <laughs> and um, I don't know how this is going to affect Machinima just yet because it's still they're still just um, testing it and playing around with it. And at the moment, you can only have a five twelve by five twelve image, so it's not very high resolution. Um, I imagine as they develop it, they'll increase that but i do think well this would be really good for generating textures or for background images um mm. in uh, if you're using iclone or unity or unreal and uh, sure. you don't necessarily want to create a vast landscape that goes off into the distance you just want a like a map painting would in a live action um mm -hmm. film you have something like that in the background and you could create your image uh in a couple of minutes to do that and it would look like it do something that you had an artist do spend um, a long time on it would be um, useful for you if you they had uh, uh, a, a space database where you could draw your own space scene which i think wouldn't be that difficult you just because i think they use uh, deep learning algorithms in which you have hundreds if not thousands of pictures yeah that the ai draws from in order to create the image if you had stars and planets and things like that you could draw a space scene that you wanted and well, before I um, just before I finished close, uh, closed it down, I saw as an option to import your own pictures for reference. Oh, so I need to try that out because I think if you could do that, like like you just said, have a picture of space or planets, uh -huh. it may be able to um, incorporate that into what it is you're drawing. Right, because the more um, data you have in the database, the more accurate the uh, uh, prediction is of the AI. Yeah. But, and now, now you also said that it can do it with words, but you weren't yes. able to get that to work, right? Yeah, I couldn't figure out where the words option was to actually write things in. So I, I, um, I need to go back and check that out. But when I just um, found out about the software, it was being advertised as something that could uh, generate an image from words. And I saw another one, which again, I forgot the name of the other day, where it's an app you can get for your phone, which does use words, and you can pick a different theme. So I put the word Sith Lord in uh, and then put the Christmas theme. And so you kind of get this snowy uh -huh. winter village with this dark figure on it. It looks like it's got a Santa hat on. It's all, <laughs> it's all kind of very, it's not like a very clear image. It's kind of distorted, but Muddy. you kind of get the theme yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Very sort of artistic uh, rendition of what that might look like. There's a whole raft of these now, isn't there? Where, where, yeah, um, it seems to be a trend. AIs are being used in com some really interesting ways. I mean, that 
that example that you gave about the drawing thing kind of implies that you actually now don't need to be able to draw, which, you know, that's... Yay! <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see my drawing, so that's a good thing. But, well, you but can draw a stick figure, and then it'll look it? really the fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the other, you know, the other sort of text to um, t text to image and text to voice type stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a fascinating um, sort of application of of AI, where you know, where you're getting text can be used to generate emo emotional inflection mm -hmm. in voices and what have you. And mm -hmm. that's been in, in the metahuman creator, Unreal's metahuman creator, as I understand it. Yeah. Um, so it's quite interesting to see how these kind of things are evolving, I think. I think so. Some of it's driven by the market. Um, mm -hmm. Businesses need a good text-to-speech because increasingly they have uh, customer service that is done the, the first layer of customer service is dealing with the AI so they can steer you in a direction uh, or, or depending on the company that can get rid of you, put you in an endless loop. Uh, but I think it, that's probably the more practical aspect of uh, AI development for machinima filmmakers is the text to speech part, mm. because it's always been a problem from the very beginning uh, to get a, get people together to, to do a session, a recording session for audio, but also get quality audio recordings from each individual. Um, God, I remember doing a couple sessions where even though people assured me they had good mics and I had done testing with them, their resulting audio was still awful. And I had to spend a yeah. long time cleaning it up. So using text-to-speech, can be a solution, um, especially with the really excellent AI-aided uh, text-to-speech now. I mean, there have been some times where I couldn't even tell the difference. However, I think there'll be a limit to that, because if you have a script that is going to involve more nuanced relations between characters, you're not going to be able to do that with text-to-speech. Now, whatever the advertisement is about how they oh yes they can adjust their tempo and you can actual emotion no you're not going to be able to do that but i think for simpler things um i think that would be very helpful for machinima filmmakers especially mm. if something like if you got um a character just has one line of dialogue like um tickets please or something like that yeah you don't necessarily mm. want to find someone just to record that you can get right. the ai to do it but a character like um the one that you play in my Star Wars series, Juris Savoyoth, because he's uh, very emotionally and sort of mentally unstable. That's not something I would want an AI to do. I would much rather have someone like you, Ricky, who's actually really talented and who's actually enough. mentally unstable <laughs> to do it. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to go in that direction, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. Although I, I wouldn't put it past Nvidia to come up with a button that says "mentally unstable" and you push it, and it's got some. <laughs> kind of thing yeah, yeah there it's incredible you know every year i go to the the uh, graphics technology conference at nvidia and i'm always just astounded mm -hmm. at what new benefits they've come up with for deep learning algorithms just remarkable i saw one presentation in which uh, uh small towns uh were trying to apply to the federal government for funding for uh, uh high-speed internet 
but they couldn't meet the, the criterias were so, you know how it is government, the criterias were so onerous. So NVIDIA developed this deep learning thing that allowed them to make a copy of their town and then run through the town checking uh, 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 connection possibilities. And they could submit that to the federal government, which would make it easier for small towns to get high-speed internet. It was a really interesting, interesting uh, project. Anyway, thank you for that, Damien. I'd I wanted to, to also add real oh, quick. Go ahead. I'm wondering if the uh, NVIDIA's Canvas technology, if that's going to end up like most major things on the internet, they end up getting really propelled and moved forward uh, by the adult industry. Hmm. And so, you know, artists who currently only are able to write on like school and truck stop bathroom walls, these very rudimentary drawings, they could use NVIDIA's <laughs> canvas Sorry. and turn it into something that looks photorealistic. Really? Well, use I, the mountain so, um, option. That can't wait. Ricky, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but that's just not an angle that I, I immediately came to. <laughs> It's kind of curious how you come right to that. Phil, that's just a yeah. Shocking, <coughs> uh, scribblers, graffiti scribblers, right? Uh, everyone's a everyone's a Banksy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You'll be able to draw your own yeah. big whatevers. <laughs> Hi, thanks for that, Phil. Thanks. Uh, moving quickly on after an embarrassing moment here. Um, <laughs> I'd like to say Blender 3.0 came out on uh, December 7th with a formal announcement, and it is fantastic. Now, why is Blender 3.0 important to, to Machinima filmmakers? Well, I'll tell you why. One, it's an open source community, um, which is it's free. Uh, it has a massive community all over the world. They support filmmaking, and they are also heavily connected to Omniverse, Unity, and Unreal, in addition to tons and tons of free plugins. Plus, it's ridiculously simple to model and create things in Blender. Previously, up to about five years ago, it was really hard, because not because the program itself was difficult, but because of the interface. The interface was this obscure, difficult, everything was backwards from other 3D. Well, they, they fixed all of that. They've updated their uh, interface. It is an excellent, and a very clear, very easy. And Blender 3.0 has several new uh, additions, one of which is the asset library and the pose library, meaning that you could create your own collection of assets and drag and drop. And that includes um, uh, models, uh, uh, effects, uh, materials. And you could just add them, drop, drag drop and drag right on. Then they have a pose library, so you can do a series of animations, pose to pose animation, set your first animation, go to your last animation, and it automatically interpolates it, and you've got a fast animation right there. Blender is also connected to a real illusion. So what I'm saying is that Blender 3.0 is the best uh, new version of this great software, and it's connected to all the possible um, uh, uh, sources for making machinima game engines, even game engines will often do that. You can do mods when mods ask for, Hey, we want to have these new crazy houses. You can set up, build your own crazy house and then import it into a game. So it is really the place to go to in order to, uh, 
uh, create your own unique content. And I highly recommend anybody, if you're afraid of 3D modeling, Blender 3.0 is the uh, place to go. There's a brand new um, Blender guru who is one of the best uh, tutorial creators for Blender. He redoes his how to make a donut, a, a fro donut with frosting with each new version of Blender. And he's got a brand new one out for 3.0. Mm. So if you want to mm. try it, we'll put the link down in there. It's about four episodes of about 15 minutes <laughs> each. He's a great teacher. And um, it would be a good way to learn how to model and uh, perhaps use that in your next uh, Machinima film. Have either any of you guys used Blender at all? I've tinkered around with it. Um, but I haven't really created anything. Uh, uh, impressive yeah, I've, I've used it some the older version. Not, yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, haven't taken a look at three yet, but I'm downloading it right now. Actually, right. It's great. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, along those lines, Character Creator Four and iClone Eight are coming. I think in the first quarter of 2022. Um, and I think personally. Uh, and, and Damien will talk about this as well uh, because he uses it in his Machinima creation. But I think the Omniverse Machinima tool is in sort of low-key development. And it's still really clunky and hard to use, whereas Real Illusion is connected directly. It has its own, both create, Character Creator and Real Illusion have their own direct connections to Omniverse. I think the real machinima element of Omniverse is Real Illusion products. And I think hmm. they're going to go next gen, especially with iClone 8, because they develop an entirely new animation system that is almost drop and drag your animations and then they automatically connect them. Um, it looks really great. Damien, now you uh, uh, did a little crowdfunding to get uh, to be able to buy uh, iClone 8 for your next uh, project. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about um, the upgrade, and I thought we discussed this previously, um, the cost of upgrading to iClone 8 uh, and um, Character Creator 4 is a lot higher than it used to be. And it was a little bit more than I was... Um, able to uh, afford so i thought well since um seven came out i've kind of established quite a significant fan base with the edge of the empire series so i thought i'm gonna ask them to see if anyone would be um willing to help um sort of crowdfund the upgrade and i thought even if they only get me halfway i could probably fill in the rest myself i wasn't right. expecting what really happened which was to be fully funded within three hours <laughs> good <laughs> um, for you thank well you Good for you. Uh, I put sort of three levels of funding. One was the, the minimum cost of buying the software, because that's on the website. And then it has that special offer where, where if you spend, um, I can't remember, $7.99 mm -hmm. content, you get oh, that's right. the software for free. And then I worked at the highest one, which is if I want to be able to export into Omniverse or anything else, how much content would I need to upgrade to the export licenses? So that was the, sort of the highest one. And I've reached that in three hours. And I just kind of... I released the video, and then I went to eat and watch Star Trek, and I thought, I'll post this on Facebook later. Uh, but by the time I came back, I was at sort of like 80% 80, 80 funded. Oh, wow, <laughs> man. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm very pleased with all my um, generous fans. And as a special thank you to them, I'm putting together a movie edit of Air to the Empire Chapter 1 to 16, which I'm going to release before Christmas, which 
by the time anyone listens to this, this will be out soon. There'll be a link in, in the show notes for it. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. Well, and, you know, uh, what, what, what is, the, just out of, out of interest, for somebody who maybe doesn't want to go the purchase content to get those for free route, what, what is the, has the pricing been announced for um, if, if someone wants to buy iClone 8 and Character Creator 4 without going that route, what, what the price is going to be? Um, yes, it's on the website, which I don't remember the prices offhand. Oh, then I'll look um, it up the, there. No um, there's a if you don't if you're buying it new, there's a uh, one price. But if you've already got iClone Seven, there's an upgrade mm-hmm. price, which is I think it's hundred dollars cheaper than if you're buying it new. Um, okay. Uh, so existing users do get a little bit of a benefit there. Sure. Um, we'll be sure to put a link in uh, to that so people can check it out. Yeah. So I've been trying out the uh, Omniverse plugin as well because they released the Omniverse uh, export option into iClone 7 so people can try it out now right. rather than waiting for iClone 8. How's that been working for you? Um, as far as the actual export process is, it's basically a uh, matter of press the export button uh, and it you wait a few minutes for it to do all the processing and then your file you can then load up into Omniverse straight away. Hmm. Uh, so that is very painless. Hold on, let me, let me just... So I want to make sure to remember these steps. So <laughs> you, Come on, Phil. Get it together, man. The what button? Export? Yeah, export okay. button. I'll finish that later. I'll, oh, I'll do a man. video tutorial on that. That'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> you, go, you can go really in-depth with this. That, that tutorial. Yeah, um, yeah. So th- there's, there are some limitations with it at the moment, which my understanding is Realision are working on um, the parts that they can. Um, so the if you've got any particle effects in iClone, those will not transfer over to Omniverse. So that's ah. explosions or fog and mist effects or anything like that. Those won't transfer over. But Omniverse has its own particle system. So you could, in theory, create your project, ignore the particle elements in iClone, and then add them in Omniverse. Uh, Omniverse is still developing the particle system in a way that would be really helpful. Um, either that or I haven't figured out how to use it properly yet. But as far as I can tell, there's no way to turn effects on at certain points in the timeline. They're on from the beginning. Uh, so if you want an explosion to happen, the explosion is going to happen at, right at the beginning. I'm sure, you want, yeah. I'm sure they're working on that. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely positive they're working yeah. on that. Um, because their connection, uh, NVIDIA's connection to real illusion has been long-term. Yeah. So I'm sure that they're... They, so that's they just real- a, yeah, this is the current issue, which yeah. I, I'm sure yeah. will be fixed very Got soon. It. And the particle effects in... Omniverse looks fantastic. Like, I know. I've tried some of the fire and the smoke, and there's some test explosions where it kind of goes all, all orange and then goes dark as it, the heat dies down. That yeah. looks all really impressive, and I can't wait to be able to use those kind of effects. Yeah, the advantage of going to Omniverse is that the rendering technology is absolutely contemporary. It's all ray traced, Yeah, meaning that you can go from a reasonably good renderer from Real Illusion to a absolutely fantastic renderer uh for in omniverse uh of course now the the thresh the, the requirements for being able to do omniverse are pretty high you have to have an nvidia card that's of a certain stature and even though the card market is getting a little looser it's still kind of tough to get a cheap card so hmm. there are some problems there uh, i wanted to ask you damien what what's it, uh, made you excited about uh, iClone 8 and Character Creator 4, the new uh, additions they're doing? Um, well, with Character Creator 4, I was looking at there's a video of 
um, that's showing how the faces are going to be more uh, animated because they've got all these different ways you can make them more expressive than bef- ever before, which is that's always really good to have because otherwise they're just very static. Right. And um, I'm looking forward to being able to take advantage of things like that. Uh, with iClone, um, I, I like the idea of the new animation system. Yeah. Uh, using a game controller to uh, make the character move around and you can use, map the buttons to different types of animations. So um, you just press the button mm, nice. and it'll switch over to that one. So also, right, exactly. And I also recall that there's a pathing, path tracing that you can, or not tracing, but a, you can set up a path animation. So if you want the character to go to a certain place and then holding props has yeah. been improved massively. That's going to be really good as well. Because it's so much, if you want to make your hands, the character's hands go together, what you often do is get sort of that. Uh, or if you want to hold, um, hold a, a 200 object you get one you attach it to one hand and then the other hand has to match it perfectly and it's such a pain to manually do it yeah, and now it's yeah. going to do it um very well or p- putting your hands on a, on the wall or on the floor or, or another character um that's going to be great because so far it's being able to have two characters touch each other is such a nightmare that i just yeah. tend to avoid it as much as possible so things like this, that are really exciting for me this should work really well for you the- for the adult industry again, <laughs> I, like, I was exactly just going to say what you were thinking, Ricky, with yeah. the use of props and touching each other. <laughs> yeah, but we'll, we'll cover that on another show. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have a special episode on that—a men-only episode. It's going to be a lot of fun with that one. Oh boy! Boy, we're starting off really well. <laughs> okay, Happy I want to—I want to talk about the last couple things. Um, I saw a great video on YouTube. Uh, called the best space games of 2022. Now I knew about uh, um, several of them, but I didn't know the whole history of space games. And this fellow who did the—it's uh, actually a sort of a let's play thing because he does playing in the middle of it. But he talks about new games that are coming out, brand new games, because apparently it's a trend uh, due to success of uh, Eve Online and what's that, Space Citizen, I think. Star Citizen. Star Citizen, Citizen, yeah. Uh, They've become very successful, and so there are a whole bunch of people that want to jump on that bag and make some of that money. But there are also some older ones that have been around that I have never heard of that have gotten some recent updates. I was really impressed with the the variety and uh, different ways that um, the creators had of interacting in space uh, situations. One of them is um, they call it... um, Minecraft and space because it's basically building. You're building stuff all the time. Looked absolutely fascinating. So uh, I'm really going to follow this through all through the year. Space games. Um, I'm going to be looking at those and talking about them and sharing with them. And perhaps if I uh, get my courage up, I'll actually make something in a space game. We'll see. But I'm specifically interested in uh, Star Citizen, although I have to say quickly, um, a lot of people I had read, uh, machinima filmmakers have often commented how they 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 can't they don't want to use a, a, a certain kinds of uh, applications because the learning curve is too hard. Well, I watched a short video on how to introduction to Star Citizen. I was completely lost after the first two or three minutes. I mean, it was mm-hmm. talk about complex. The introduction to that and getting getting ready and getting everything set was just like, basically, you just have to quit your job, sit <laughs> down, get another monitor, 
and start taking notes because it was really hard. Uh, so if you're a gamer and you're willing to put that kind of time into the game, then you should be able to put the time into um, learning how to model and write better, you know. Anyway, we'll put a link to that. Um, I also wanted to posit the quick question about open world games in Machinima. We've loved Star Citizen stuff last year. Um, why do these open world games uh, interest Machinima filmmakers? And has it? When did open world games start in terms of Machinima history? So I was wondering whether you guys were thinking about any of those questions. <laughs> we had a chat about this some time ago, didn't we? About um, open world, and I think really one of the key things. I think one of the key things is to do with the fact that they are just massive environments where the, the focus is on immersion and role play and mirror worlds and all of that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess one of the key things with them is they, they keep the player engaged because of this massive environment that they've created where, you know, it's clear that the, the, the game and the environment continues or persists um, well beyond what what you do as a as a player in a particular um, point in time, so it's kind of you know you keep going back in because well a little bit like you were sort of saying with Star Citizen then the learning curve's kind of high, um, but what you can do in it is just endless because yeah. it's so so vast and the, yeah. the number of permutations of experience that you can have in there is just so huge. I mean we know for example well, hundreds of people that are still in Second Life, even though that launched, what, 2003? Mm -hmm. Was it 2003? Mm -hmm. Or goes back even earlier than that for some. So, yeah, I guess it's the vastness of it that's one of the attractive things. Right. I well, think the, the ability to be modified, the world to be modified by the users is also huge and I think is a big part of what was attractive about Second Life when it was at its peak and for the people that are there now. The fact that you can make the world um, yeah. probably not a big element of a game like Star Citizen to, to modify it to those kinds of degrees. So it just goes to show that just just giving an expansive world to play in is enough to interest people. But if then if you if you really take it to the next level with you know the true sandbox style game, I mean, look at Minecraft. It's been Oh. What, 15 years, and it's still one of the most played games in the world? Yep. Yeah. Well, they're constantly adding more ability for the player to create and build and use new materials for it and stuff. And um, so, yeah, games like that are, are appealing because they the replay value is unlimited for an environment like that, you know? So, plus, um, plus, you have the. Uh the uh, razors and blades business model, which is you continually offer new content, some of which you have to buy, you know what I mean? So they, right. so they have us one product like a razor, and then you have to keep buying blades in order to enjoy the Sims franchise. They've been yeah. very successful with that. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, if you were to get the Sims four and all the content packs at retail price, I mean, you're spending probably a thousand dollars on that game mm -hmm. amazingly yeah you know so it makes the pricing of uh something like i clone seven or eight all of a sudden it's like well that's not unreasonable after all is it you yeah know, when yeah, you, yeah 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 and and considering that 
I can tell you the the learning curve for making machinima in The Sims is no friendlier, uh, no easier than making it in <laughs> iClone or anything like that in any of the games. You know, yeah. I mean, look at Red Dead Redemption isn't re- it's hardly modifiable at all, yeah. really, and and it's so hard to use. So uh, yeah, I, I think that was a great point, Ricky. That that um, I know that was my hesitancy. Uh, back when I was just using games to, to take on a platform like, uh, you know, Movie Storm or iClone or whatever the choices were back then, it was intimidating, even for me, uh, who had developed quite a bit of skill set to some particular games. And I feared that they wouldn't translate over, but um, they do. They kind of do. You know, yeah. the, the, the skills do translate. So, what about um, WoW? Does that translate as well? I think WoW is one of the first really popular games that had an open world aspect for sure. That's world Having of never played it, I can't speak to specifics. I never played the game, but uh, I had lots of friends who did and they would talk about it. And it's, it had immense replay value because to at least some degree, you could chart your own path and do spend your time in that game doing what you wanted to do. So, you know, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, and he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Ben Grusey at one point when he was playing WoW, he just went in there to do farming, which when he told me that, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, <laughs> this is before I started playing Minecraft, where, you know, um, much of what you do is building contraptions to farm resources. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I get it now. Uh, right. But then there were others who went in there specifically to raid others, you know, in combat. And, right, right. And others who wanted to just explore the world. And yeah, they created an environment where uh, they didn't tell you how you had to play the game. They just told you what the possibilities were and then let you right. run with it. It was a brilliant right. move on their part. Right. Now, my theory is that the modern video game is the contemporary equivalent of novel reading. Uh, in that you become so involved in the characters and in the world that the characters start triggering your imagination. And that's another advantage of working in an open world because you find yourself drawn or imaginatively or emotionally moved or touched by a certain scenario or a certain, even a certain location. Um, mm. And that triggers the idea of stories. So then you feed it, you feed it back by going, well, what if... Like, for example, in the Half-Life saga, the, there's a young woman when you first get off the train and you come in and she's right next to the, uh, the uh, railing there. And she's saying, did you, did you, was there another person on that train? Was there another? I always wondered about her story. What's her backstory? Who was she waiting for? And so those sorts of uh, events and experiences trigger the idea of making movies out of them. So you get a little feedback. And I was curious with you, Phil, you made um, what was my favorite film last year, Obit, uh, your great Western film, in Red Dead Redemption 2, an open world. Did some of that trigger your feelings so that you ended up coming up with this idea for the story of a person coming back to a, um, a funeral? This is a weird thing to confess, but, uh, I mean, I, I, no, I no played, adult film industry stuff, please. No, no, not, not this time, but, uh, I, I watched other people's let's plays of Red Dead Redemption 2 for a year before I bought the game. 
because I just didn't feel like I had the time to take on a game that I knew had that big of a story world. Uh, and then when I bought the game, I probably played the first hour of the single player campaign. <laughs> and then you and I had our hijinks trying to do multiplayer. But my my exposure to the story world of that game was largely through other people's videos. Hmm. Weird as that sounds. I didn't play the game because I didn't have time. So I, I, it's really strange. I, I learned vicariously about some of the things that were possible in that game. I don't know what the spark moment was to to decide. Yeah, that's the this is the environment I want to tell this particular story in. I, I don't remember how that happened, honestly, uh, but I think it was before I bought the game, and then when I got mm-hmm. it and actually started, you know, hands on controlling it a little bit, I thought, oh, okay, I could probably do this, you know. So, yeah, it's weird. How about that location where the funeral scene takes place? Was that something that you looked for and found, or had you already seen it and decided to use it from memory? No, that I, I stumbled upon it. Um, my, my exploration began, I was just looking, I basically found a list online where someone had documented all of the cemeteries throughout mm. Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. And so I just went and just started roaming the world, exploring, looking at those. And none of them were right for what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I realized that I wanted it to be more of a, the old fashioned type of burial that someone would just be buried right on their own land, you know, back before the laws dictated everybody be buried in one place right. in the West. That's not always the way it went. You just couldn't do that. So a person would be buried on their land. And so I thought, well, let's let's find a homestead that has some land near it. And and yeah, I just kind of I looked then I started looking at different houses that were a little bit off the beaten path, not in the middle of town. And then yeah, I just I had it narrowed down to a couple different ones and ultimately just that one just felt right. I liked that right. top trees, uh the shade that it provided and the the ambience there. So yeah, it's right. very it was very accidental. Wow. Um, I was thinking about what you were saying about what we've been talking about, this freedom um, that lets that brings the imagination alive in these open world games. Uh, you know, 30 or I guess 40 years ago, the only place you could do that was pen and paper role playing games. Hmm. And now, 40 years later, the video game industry is almost caught up to that in terms of that was the ultimate freedom is. You know, one person, the dungeon master, would craft this storyline of sorts and talk the characters through it. And it was all, you know, oral sharing of information and dice rolls and things like that. And and a lot of improvisation could happen there, you know, where it really was at, at whoever was controlling the story. It was at their whim to just, oh, they did this. Well, that's interesting that I'm going to have this happen. Uh and video games just never could rival that. Um, and they, they still can't, really. Um, but it leads me to one of the things that I found interesting about this Game Awards was uh, a game that's been announced called uh, Star Wars Eclipse. Ah. By, I think it's Quantric Dream. Am I saying that right, Tracy? Yeah. yeah. And Quantic Dream. No, there's no gameplay shown yet. It's all just pre-rendered cinematics and stuff of very beautiful looking, mysterious looking Star Wars-y stuff, which is cool. But 
what caught my eye about it was their description that uh, they're going for an intricately branching storyline. Now, people were using terms similar to that 10 years ago, you know, in, in video games, but then yeah. it ended up, you know, it was within the limits of what could be done. I'm really intrigued by someone embarking on that today with all we've been observing with AI. Yeah. And all these things. I think that we're on the cusp of there being a video game that can literally adapt the story to the player. I agree. In unpredictable ways. Yeah. The reason I think that is the way that Minecraft works, its worlds are procedurally generated, absolutely 100% random every time you fire up a new world, and it, infinite in any direction. You can walk, a guy, a guy did a video a couple weeks ago and streamed it live, walking one million blocks, which one million, basically a million meters in Minecraft in one direction, and he live streamed it. Had to have somebody else take over while he, he used the restroom and ate and things like that, you know. But and the, the game just they've got an algorithm that generates caves going way down and mountains and trees and all this stuff, all just procedurally generated, all random. There's no two that are alike. Uh, well, that's just with terrain and objects and things like that. But the fact that, that they're able to do that, I think that the next real innovation for story-based games will be a story that can effectively do that. I think, which is crazy. Yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. That's crazy. Cause imagine if you make a friend at the beginning and that friendship grows and moves in different directions, as opposed to a single, single line, you know, where, where the person is always a friend to you or at some point stops being your friend and is your enemy. Instead, you'll have a whole range of things where they'll be angry at you because you did some action and they don't want to see you. You know what I mean? And all of that will be AI generated based on data that that the game is actually taken from you while you're playing it. Yeah, it's almost scary to think about because that is that is amazing. If we think about there's been movies made about this, sci-fi movies made about this, where every choice you make, it, it's and, and it, the Marvel universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe, plays with this with their metaverse idea. Yeah, that, yeah, know, yeah. Certain choices that then branch off, and they refer to that as that's a new universe. Well, really, that's just there's different choices. Every choice, you know, can have the potential effect to take things in a totally different direction. And it's, it it was very hard just a few years ago, even to conceive of a video game, a, a computer program being able to keep up with that, mm. you know, with, with how life actually works. You I need feel to, like um, it's getting close, man, to where it's at least a, a, a matrix like believable scenario. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, where good it reacts point. in a way that seems real. That's crazy, man. Yeah, good point. I'm looking forward to it. You guys need to check out some of Quantic Dreams older games, like the, the most recent one they released was called Detroit Become Human. And mm-hmm. it's not AI-driven the way you're describing there, but it does have um, a branching story. Where basically, it follows three different characters, and you, you play through one chapter, and then it, you make different choices and so on, and then you switch over to another character, and then you, you do the same thing with them, and then they switch mm. over to the third character, and it alternates between that. But there's so many different ways that the story can 
change based on what you do in each time. Mm-hmm. And um, I've only played through it once, and it was. I imagined trying to play through it again and seeing well, what can I do differently because it's, it's way beyond something like Mass Effect where you make decisions yeah. and you get different branches. This is more of a, a web, I would say, yes. because of the yeah. way it yes. works. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they take that from what well, they did there in Detroit to the Star Wars game and yeah. enhance that. Um, and it could be that all they're going to do is apply that same method to the yeah. Star Wars universe. Mm. And if so, it's still going to be a really interesting and fun game to play, I think. But what, the I'm, end of the what game, I'm interested in is a, is a developer like Quantic Dreams uh, eventually coming to the point where they can basically set the parameters and the AI takes over the storytelling. Yeah. You know, wow. it's, re- it's a really interesting... Wild. It's, re- it's a really interesting development. Um not least because Quantic were another one of those um, uh, developers that was like Unreal and Unity that emerged in the early two. Well, in fact, um, the mid nineties, I think they emerged. Um, by the early two thousands, they were in fact at, at what what we re- really know as the forefront of developments in interactive in- experiences, and they they were they were called interactive dramas, and they were compared mm-hmm. to adventure games but they weren't they weren't really either film or game uh, and they kind of lost their way a little bit but it was their it was it was their um real-time 3d engine that was used for um motion capture uh for, for the first time actually in a 2004 film called immortal and it was one of the earliest times that um a game engine was used to provide digital assets as a cinematic backdrop for a film huh so you know we often think that things like the matrix um bullet time and what have you was one of the earliest uh, applications of, of um this sort of real-time filmmaking stuff but it wasn't at all it was quantic that was at the back of that um and they've evolved in a, in a very sort of different way to unreal and unity which are basically i think their competitors and i think what's quite interesting is that they've now re-emerged um and are sort of you know lining up probably alongside the likes of unreal uh, and unity to sort of reclaim that that space but they've done it in mega style with with star wars i think i mean we actually talked ben and i talked about um quantic alongside um an organization called brilliant digital entertainment whom Nobody in the machinima community had ever really heard of, but they were the guys that made what was known as the first branching narrative experience, which was called Cyberswine. And that was launched in the mid-90s. But these guys had, you know, BDE had had sort of like world domination in their sites. Mm-hmm. And they tried to, um, you know, work on, on Marvel Universe type stuff um, yeah. way back then as a way to sort of create interactive experiences out of those um out of those stories if you like um so so we in the in the book um ben and i wrote about an alternative beginning for machinima which came out of these of these engines fascinating what's quite interesting though i think and i don't really fully understand why because i've maybe maybe damien's got a bit of insight into this most of the comments about Quantic's involvement in Star Wars Eclipse is actually negative. 
Um, don't know why. Huh. Um, I, it's, I haven't really been following the, um, the response to it from Star Wars fans, but my guess is because... Um, so they have all these tie-in books and so on with the, with the Star Wars franchise, and that all got reset when Disney um, took over because they, they wanted a clean slate to um, create new content. And so they started releasing a new series of books to go alongside the new films and so on that were being released. But they ran into the problem with they had to rely on the films, um, viewers watching the films who hadn't read the books, so they couldn't have any major events happen in the books that fans would feel lost because they hadn't read them. So nothing was happening in the books that was actually made them worth reading. So what they did is they created this new era about 300 years before the films where they got, kind of got a blank slate to, to play around with. And it's called the High Republic Era. and Which is what I, this game is to be set yeah. in. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. And there's been a mixed response to that era of books. Some people really love it and some people don't. Um, personally, I feel like they've released so much content already that it's impossible to keep up. I started yeah. listening to the audiobook of the first one, and I was kind of, it's, it's very interesting, and I was enjoying the setting, but um, I looked to see what's coming next, and within weeks, there was going to be five more books. <laughs> and I, This launched in January last year, uh, 2001. Hmm. 2021. Um, yeah. And I looked after the Eclipse trailer, there's 25 books that have been released already. And there's comic <laughs> books to go alongside it as well. I thought, there's no way anyone could keep up with that. I mean, if you're a really dedicated fan, there's more dedicated yeah. than I am because I haven't. I yeah. gave up on it. Yeah. So I thought, I don't, it's not going to end in that one book. complicated when it spans millennia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? It's like, how in the world could anyone yeah. control so, it? Uh, that's my personal yeah. take on this era. So that's. I'm hoping they design the game so you can enjoy the game without having to read all those other books that go alongside it, because I don't want to do that just to play one game. So let's, uh, let's make sure we follow up on that, Damien, uh, and, um, and keep an eye open for it. Can you close this out with uh, the rest of the game awards for 2021? Um, yeah. So uh, this, um, this Star Wars game was released, was announced at the uh, video game awards. Um, I stayed up watching the whole thing. Uh, luckily I had virtual co company with a friend of mine who lives locally who she decided she also wants to stay up because she was very excited to see um, the Matrix side of things which we'll come to at the end um, so the, it was kind of a mix of awards for games that had been released uh, and he had various celebrities coming up to, to present the awards and then of course uh, most of the show was actually new game announcements just trailers for new things or Games had already been announced, but they were showing off the gameplay for the first time. Uh, and so there was just so many of those. Um, I, I don't know which of these games are going to be any good for Machinima or not, but uh, there's a lot of really impressive um, and exciting things were announced. Um, yeah. Personally, I'm really excited for Homeworld 3, which is going to be released at the end of the year, unless it gets delayed, of course, because uh, I've been a big fan of the Homeworld games for a long time. Um, that could be useful for Machinima because it's a, it's a big space strategy game uh we have these epic battles so you could have your virtual camera in there and you could record these spaceships flying around shooting mm. each other and i've used it the older games for space battles in machine before so i'm excited to see what this new one can do yeah um <clears throat> of course we've got the star wars game announcement there's i'm not sure if it's going to be any good for machine but there's a new june strategy game uh obviously 
uh, because of the film that's just released, Dune's kind of getting a lot of attention. Um, yeah. And rightly so. So I'm excited about this new game. I'd probably just going to play it. I'm not going to make worry about making any films with it. Um, uh, well, we'll put a link in there so other so you can look through it and uh, see what you find interesting. Yeah. There's also a lot of end of the year uh, and indie games that aren't mentioned in the big uh, game awards that are done yeah. by smaller companies, including one uh, one or two games that are done by single individuals. And we'll put a link to all of that. Yeah. So, uh, Tracy, can you uh, close our news mm-hmm. and discussion segment with your Matrix ex- experience? Oh, uh, wow. News? Well, I didn't actually stay up like Damien did. To watch. <laughs> it was at four <laughs> to o'clock in the morning by the time we got to this Matrix. Oh, oh, well, oh, oh. So, so I watched instead the, um, the film, the 10-minute film that they put out afterwards, and or at least at the same sort of time. And, wow is um it was my take on it really yeah so so what they what what this was obviously by the time that um you know our uh, show goes out everybody in the world will probably have seen it but let me just reflect on it a minute so what we've got here is mocap of the key actors um uh demonstrating uh you know the 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 sort of the capture of the characters from the original trilogy as well as how the characters look now. And quite frankly, even though, as I understand it, they were all virtual characters, you can't really tell what's real and what's virtual in there. It was brilliantly done. No, you done. can't, yeah. It, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? I, I think <laughs> I think there's only one bit where I thought maybe that was actually Keanu Reeves for real, which is a bit in the mirror, but I wasn't 100% sure in the end. Anyway, what I think was quite interesting about this was the fact that actually it's um, it's being released. So, that, so you know, you've got this little bit of an introduction, then you've got um, some demonstration of the experience itself. It's not a game. It's an experience. You can download this content and you can do what the hell you like with it. It's being um, badged as a proof of concept uh, designed to showcase... Um, Unreal Engine 5's cutting-edge real-time systems. Uh, and it's all been made as an open-world example, so you can literally do anything you want with it. And it's totally free with Unreal Engine 5. Um, so I think it's brilliant. I think the fact I... that it's, um, you know, been made available um, for anybody to do anything with is, yeah. is absolutely awesome. I can't wait to see some machinima being created me too me too and i was thinking what a what a fascinating combination of advertisement and entertainment absolutely i don't don't think i've seen one as good as that in a long time where they're selling you something but they're doing it in such an entertaining way that you don't care you Mm. know i i think it's fast i think that that alone is fascinating Mm. but um so I know, obviously, Mark Pettit, because I interviewed him for the book that Damien and I did as well. Mm. And, and so I'm linked to him on, on LinkedIn. He posted something um, which was really the, the size of this open world that they've created. So the city is 4,000 kilometres wide by nearly 5,000 kilometres long, <laughs> slightly larger than the size of downtown L.A., <laughs> The city surface is uh, nearly eight kilometers squared. <laughs> the city perimeter is 14 and a half kilometers long. There's wow. two, 260 kilometers 
of roads in the city. There are 512 kilometres of sidewalk in the city. There's 1,250 almost intersections in the city. There's 45,000 parked cars, of which 38,000 are drivable and destructible. There's 17,000 simulated traffic vehicles on the roads that are destructible as well. 7,000 buildings, nearly 28,000 lampposts and streets uh, on street sides. Uh, twenty no, uh, twelve and a half thousand sewer holes, almost ten million unique and duplicated assets created to make the city. Wow, isn't that incredible? And, that and the, incredible. on top of that, hang on, thirty-five thousand simulated meta-human pedestrians. Can you believe it? I just, I mean, what an environment! So yeah. now, if somebody wanted to download that, how would they go about doing it? Um, it, well, okay, so you need, uh, Damien, you can help me on this one. Which which version of... Uh, uh, you need um, the latest Xbox or PlayStation consoles. Uh, at the time Neither of, of which I this, have, by the way. No, I don't either. <laughs> but at the time we record this, they're not going to release on PC. But I hope enough people say, please release it on PC, that they actually change their mind and release it so we can all give it a try. Yeah, yeah may- maybe they won't do that. Maybe they won't. Maybe what it's about is getting you to uh, buy the um, hardware. Well, we'll yeah. see. Uh, you know, and there's still a lot of machinima filmmakers that use the Xbox, so we'll see how that turns out. Thank yeah. you very much for that. A lot of really interesting news uh, for January 2022. Uh, so that's our news and, and discussion uh, podcast. We'll be having a video of this up on our YouTube new YouTube channel. Also, the uh, podcast itself will come out. We'll have links to everything we've talked about here, and uh, possibly some drawings from Phil uh, in Canva <laughs> uh, as a special uh, treat for everybody. So you can please contact us. We do want to do practical. Oh no, he's doing it. Don't show it to us, Phil. So uh, we want to do practical, uh, uh, special practical podcast. Please send us your ideas for things you'd like us to cover. I, I want to do sound and writing, but there may be some other things, specific games. Also contact us, let us know, give us feedback, send us one of your films. Um, if it's awful, we won't show it. If it's good, we will talk about it. So that's it for this episode. Thank you very much. Uh, check out uh, next week when we'll be talking about films. Uh, for January 2022. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.